Thank you for listening to Along the Way. This is John Matarazzo, your host and fellow traveler. I am enjoying a Christmas holiday vacation right now. I haven't actually gone anywhere, but I've just been taking some well-needed time off. And I wanted to still share with you an episode of Along the Way. One of my favorite episodes that some of the lessons that I've picked up from this episode with Pastor J. Anthony Gilbert has been something that has really helped me with making this podcast. His concept of setting your watch by trouble has been a big challenge for me because I like to shy away from trouble as much as I can. But maybe God is trying to say, push through that trouble, push through that hindrance that is trying to keep you away from my best. And maybe, maybe just on the other side is God's goal for your life. I'll be back with some new episodes of Along the Way in a few weeks, but I hope that you enjoy this re-air of Pastor J. Anthony Gilbert's episode of Along the Way. Some guy vandalized a church, threw a board through the front window, started yelling and cursing, had to call the police, and right then I knew I was in the right spot. I knew right then and there, I said, this must be the place. Uh, if everything would have been cozy and comfy, I probably would have been like, maybe it's not God. But the fact there was so much adversity, I knew that that was uh, what God was calling me to Welcome to Along the Way. I'm John Matarazzo, your host and fellow traveler. Thank you for joining me on my journey as I try to become more like Jesus every day. I love when I have the opportunity to talk with fascinating people and learn how God has met them along their way. I believe that everyone has a story and we can all learn from each other's journeys. Through my work as a television producer, I get to interact with some of the most amazing people making an incredible impact in God's kingdom. In this episode of Along the Way, my journey connects me with Pastor J. Anthony Gilbert of Another Level Ministries in Pittsburgh, who is also one of the hosts of the TV program that I produce, Real Life, on Cornerstone Network. I hope you enjoy this episode of Along the Way. Pastor J. Anthony Gilbert, it's a pleasure to have you on Along the Way. It's good to be here. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. So we go back a couple years now through working at Cornerstone Television, and you're one of my one of my hosts uh, for the Real Life program. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to hear some of those. I want to hear your story, but I want to hear some of those moments where you look back and you say, oh, wow, God was really intervening or God was operating in my life and I didn't realize it at the moment. So can you just tell us a little bit about who Pastor J. Anthony Gilbert is? Oh, man, that's... It's a loaded question. No, no, that's good. Uh, I mean, all throughout my whole life, really. I mean, I don't think there's just one specific era. I think he's always moving in our lives, uh, even when we don't sense him. You know, he's always working together for our good uh, in some way or some fashion. And uh, one of the unique times of my life was I remember I went out for a job um, at this wonderful job. I think it was around 18, 19 years old. And um, it was an opportunity to... Basically, I was going to work with mentally handicapped people, and uh, I was going to be doing just simply vacations, going on cruises, and that's all I did, go to the uh, Football Hall of Fame. Uh, I was kind of like doing a little bit of work, but I wanted the full-time position, and, and basically this other guy came in, 
took the job right out from under me. I was so disappointed. And then that <laughs> fell through. And then, I mean, because what better job than just simply to go on vacations and things like that? I didn't uh, even know that that existed. <laughs> I know. I, when I found out about it, I said, man, I, that was just a phenomenal uh, opportunity. And I was so disappointed. And then, uh, um, and after that fell through, then I was going to school possibly for uh, radiology. I got accepted. There was only four people or six people. I can't remember. There's a very small amount of people that got accepted. And uh, around the same year, I said, okay, well, I'm going to go out and I'm going to try this. And it um, just didn't work out. I sent in the application. They said I got accepted. And I said, okay, great. So I'm waiting to hear back from them. But they were waiting on one of my reference letters. And a pastor friend of mine, for whatever reason, said he sent it, but they never got it. So they gave my position to somebody else. And I was just so upset that every single door shut. But then all of a sudden, a friend of mine, I'm a big Bishop T.D. Jakes fan, always okay. have been, and uh, he says, well, let's go out to Rod Parsley, and let's go out there. And I said, all right, that's fine. I just want to go to hear Bishop Jakes, because he has camp meeting. So you have Juanita Bynum, Benny Hinn, T.D. Jakes. The whole week was just packed full of them. Oh, wow. That sounds like a great lineup. It was a phenomenal time, and we just had a blast. And so I'm there, and then my friend said, I'm going to World Harvest Bible College. And I was like, I ain't going to Bible College. My dad opened up a church. I'm going to preach. I'm going to touch lives. That's all I was worried about. So I went up there, and uh, I don't remember which night it was, but basically, Rod Parsley said, if anybody wants to come to my school, I want you to come down. My friend grabbed me by the hand and said, come on down with me. I said, man, I'm going into the gospel. I preach the gospel. I don't need to be doing any of this stuff. And so I went up there with him, and Pastor Parsley prayed a prayer and said, if they're called to be in this school, you put it in their heart, don't let them sleep. Long story short, I woke up the next morning and I knew that I knew that I knew I had to go to Bible college. And that college completely changed my life. That was in July, school started August 20th. I had not a dollar to my name. I had all my whole year paid for. I never paid a nickel out of my pocket. And the reason why I'm saying all this is that if that door would not have shut for the college, or for the college, for uh, the job, and for, actually it would be college, uh, yeah. for the radiology school, I never would have gotten a call to Bible college, and that would have been. So I didn't see all that God was doing at the moment, but when I look back now, it's like, wow, thank you, Lord, for what you did. Yeah, so those uh, those letdowns were setting you up for where God brought you now. And, you know, 20 years later, 22 years later, I'm in ministry on Cornerstone Television uh-huh. Network, a church. I, all these things happen, and those years in Bible college were the most formative years of my life. Not only did it change my life, it changed my family, my ministry. It helped change my city. I still carry an impartation from what I got during that time. And so wow. I could have been working, taking people on vacations, but now I'm sending the devil on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's pretty cool. So that's that's how you got into ministry. Yeah. But, um, I want to hear how you got to Pittsburgh because I think it's a fascinating okay. story, um, how you met your wife and how God brought you to Pittsburgh. So just uh, just tell us about that. Well, it kind of goes along with the first question you just yeah. asked. You know, yeah. just um, when you didn't see what God was up to, um, I was single for many years, um, pastoring a church, pastoring a church, and I was single for real. I wasn't the playboy puppet and all that stuff. I really was single, and um, so I was single from about 2000 to 2011 when I met my wife, Tiffany now. Um, and I dated one girl for like 30 days, but it just didn't work out. Um, and so basically throughout that whole period of time, I lived as a single guy. And then I was one day it was for Christmas and me, my dad, my mother had passed away in 2007. It's me, my brothers and my dad. And I said, this is the exact words I said. So 
just being straight out the gut, as we call it, I said, this is the last time it's just going to be us rusty brothers for Christmas. <laughs> I said, I do not want to see another one of you guys just for Christmas. And uh, that was in December. On a 21-day fast in January, God spoke to my heart to get on Christian Mingle. Well, the funny thing about Christian Mingle is that I had preached against dating sites my whole life. I preached against it, told oh. everybody, don't get on it. They're the devil. Don't mess with those things. Kind of like the water boy. Uh -huh. Everything's the devil, mama. You know, I was like, it was the devil to me. And, uh, and God's telling you to get, get on, on there. And I tell you what, I'm watching BET, and I don't remember what I was watching at the time, but then that Christian Mingle commercial, you know, on the end line, it used to say, I don't know if it's still on there now, but it said, many times you're waiting on God, but many times God is waiting on you. And it was like the heavens opened up, the spirit of God descended upon me like a dove, and a voice from heaven said, this is the way, walk in it. So I hopped on there within two weeks in a 21-day fast. I meet my wife, Tiffany, here in Pittsburgh. Um, I had one bad experience on Christian Mingle, and I said, God, if this doesn't work out, then uh, this next one here, I'm done. And that's when I met Tiffany. So you weren't living in Pittsburgh, I was though. not. No, so I traveled every weekend. I was preaching on Sunday mornings. I would leave my job around 3 o'clock in the afternoon, travel out here about three and a half hours, stay from here up near Buffalo. from Olean, New York to Pittsburgh, which is about a three and a half hour drive. And I would stay there all weekend. I'd get up around 4.30 in the morning to drive back to New York to preach to be in the pulpit that morning. I did that for eight months straight, pretty much. Wow. So... I ended up getting married, got married in Pittsburgh, um, and then she went to Bishop Joseph Garlington's church. And um, her, her closest mentor was Bishop's son, his name was Chet Williams, and uh, he really mentored her, and he kept telling Bishop, you gotta have Jay speak, you gotta have Jay speak. So finally he had me come out here for times of refreshing. So I spoke twice on Friday and twice on Sunday for his church during a conference that he had. And when I left here, Pittsburgh didn't leave me. I remember riding where I was in Pittsburgh, and I've told my wife, I'm not done with Pittsburgh yet. I said, I feel like there's still more there. Within nine months, we ended up leaving everything we had in New York and came out here. Um, we took a $50,000 a year pay cut. We had just bought a wow. six-bedroom home. We had a very successful church. Everything was going real, real well. And God said, pack it up. And we took such a big pay cut, we had to live with our in-laws. Ouch. And so we went back, and thank God they're not our outlaws. <laughs> and uh, so we lived with them for a couple of years, and um, that's how I ended up getting to Pittsburgh, though. And uh, through that process, I was serving in Bishop Garlington's church, and the chairman of the board uh, at the time at Cornerstone said, we are looking for some people of color that hold your gift and talent. Would you be willing to sit down with the CEO? So I sat down with the CEO, and um, he asked me if I would come on as a guest. I came on as a guest, and then mm -hmm. that fall, you guys asked me to do one, one show. Day, one and day a week. They came right to me, and I think it was after that first show, uh, Dave said, would you commit for the whole season? Yeah. Oh, said, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. It was just, a, originally, it was just, let's, let's try it out once, yep. and then we were hooked. We were hooked after that. We were like, okay, so we, need, we need Jay every, <laughs> we need him every week. And I had no idea that that's what um, I was going to be doing with television. What people don't know a lot of times about TV is that I had a small local cable access channel that I did in only in New York, reached maybe 10,000 people. And I used to stand in front of a camera every week. And just as soon as they turned the camera on, I would just go. And I practiced it, intros and outros, every single week. And it shows you how what you're doing in private, God will reward you openly. That's good. And, uh, and I remember all those years of doing that, I never knew that God says, you're preparing for Cornerstone Television Network, which reaches 6 million homes. So I went pretty much, pretty much down from 6,000 homes 
to 6 million homes. But every week, I was faithful over that, John. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember, that, matter of fact, during that process, I kind of said, I'm not really reaching nobody. I should just quit and stop. And then the Lord spoke to me uh, because and rebuked me, basically, because I went to go back on the channel and said, I'm sorry, we don't have any room for you. And I felt so bad. Wow. And God said, next time I give you something, be faithful over it. And little did I know, we got back on, but that was preparing me to be ready to be the extemporaneous guy that I am on television today. And uh, it's just amazing. Like you said, along the way, the things that God does and how how he prepares you for what you're coming into. Yeah, I love looking back and, and looking back at our lives and seeing, wow, God brought us together as as coworkers and really friends. Mm-hmm, um, you're, mm-hmm. you're, you've become a very good friend over the last few years, and I'm grateful that God's brought you into my life. Um, and I'm grateful for your along-the-way stories and how God yeah. brought you here. Um, but I, I want to hear some more about, about that. Um, so you now pastor a church. Mm-hmm. When you're not on TV, you pastor a church. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Another thing, I was there just preaching at Bishop's Church along the way. <laughs> and no pun intended. And all of a sudden, he said, you know what? He goes, I have a ministry that's dying. And he said, would you be interested in going there and speaking there and seeing what God says to you? And By ministry, he means a local church. A local church, Yeah. And uh, what the unique part was is 30 days prior to that, God had spoken to us, to my wife and I, and said that something was getting ready to change. Something's getting ready to shift for us. So we went on a fast. And during that process, Bishop Joseph Garlington came to us and said, I have a church. I want you to go there. And we pretty much already knew because we had been fasting for a change anyways. And we came here. And it was funny. The first day that I came here to speak as a guest, um, some guy vandalized a church, threw a board through the front window, started yelling and cursing, had to call the police. And right then I knew I was in the right spot. I knew right then and there. I said, this must be the place. Uh, If everything would have been cozy and comfy, I probably would have been like, maybe it's not God. But the fact there was so much adversity, I knew that that was uh, what God was calling me to. And you know, John, one of the things I've learned throughout my life is a lot of times we think being in the will of God is always going to be cozy and comfy. And I've learned to set my clock by trouble. I've learned every time in my life when bad things happen, that's usually a good indication that you are in the will of God because you're going into enemy hell territory. And that's what we're supposed to be doing. That's why the Bible says the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. So when I saw that, I was thinking in my head immediately, I said, this is where God's called me to be because the devil is already nervous about what I'm getting ready to step into. So I ended up taking this church here, my wife and I, and um, it's been phenomenal what God's been doing. We're believing God for a new building right now, but we've been growing where we are and it's been a, a great process. I want to ask about the the mindset that you were just talking about. How did you decide like, this is what I'm going to look for to, to see God's will? Oh, okay. Well, you know, because usually whenever, if you think about it, if you're playing all these Steelers fans or whoever they may be listening, we're in Pittsburgh land right now, wherever they are, uh, this is definitely Steeler Nation. If the Steelers are on the one-yard line and getting ready to go into a touchdown, it's not quiet. It's not laid back. You're about to score. So both teams are going nuts. The coaches are screaming. The fans are screaming. Why? There's so much at stake. So I've learned every time good things are getting ready to happen or I'm about to score a touchdown for the kingdom, the adversary is going to have a goal line defense. And so through, I'll use the title of your show, along the way I've seen each step that whenever there was major adversity in my life, it was always a sign. That's why I say I set my clock by trouble. It showed me that something good was getting ready to happen in my life. And so when I press through those times, usually on the other side of that, there's always been a great breakthrough. So through the process is how I found that out. So how do you discern if this is an actual roadblock from God or if it's 
just a uh, a goal line defense. Oh, that's, a great, that's a great question. Uh, most of the time, um, there'll be something within me that says, I got to keep going. Uh, if it's a door closed, the Bible says that God gives you the desires of your heart. So if, he, if you're sensitive to him and you want his will, if he puts a door up, not only with that door, there should be something in your heart and in your spirit that's kind of like, this isn't where I want to go. As a matter of fact, a lot of people don't know this. There was actually a church here in Pittsburgh, a church of about 250 people that was offered to me. And, um, and I had been praying about it and seeking the Lord for it. And every door is open. They were promised me a bigger salary than I'm making now and all these things. And uh, I just knew it wasn't God. Hmm. And so there wasn't even a whole lot of obstacles. There was some, but my heart wasn't in it. And so as a result, if, if all that adversity is coming and my heart's not in it, then I know that it isn't God. But most of the time when it's the adversary, if there's adversity, faith will pursue there's something that keeps on going. It's kind of like the woman uh, that her daughter was grievously vexed with a spirit. And Jesus said, um, it's not fit to give the children's bread to the dogs. Now, right there, even heaven gave her a roadblock. Yeah, really. But her faith was greater than her roadblock. Mm-hmm. And I think that's how I've determined along the way. My faith will be greater than anything that's coming against me. will say, no, this belongs to me and I know it. And so I'll press through regardless. That's a great word, Pastor Jay. That's really good. Uh, do you remember the first thing that you heard God speak to you? Wow, the first thing that God ever spoke to me. Going back to ministry, the first time that I feel that the Lord spoke to me before ministry, um, I was about, I want to say 13, 13 years old, maybe. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't remember the exact age, but I was young, and I was in a service, and the Lord spoke to me, and I used to get $5 a week from my parents. And I'll never forget, there was a preacher up there, and God spoke to me and said, I want you to sow that. And uh, my dad, I said, Dad, I want to give my whole allowance this week. And, uh, and he said, you sure? Because he's like, you want to give all that away? $5 for me back then? That's a lot of money for me. You know, that's a lot of pizza and video games and everything Absolutely. else I got to play. And uh, so I said, no, Dad, I want to give it. So I sowed that. And I'll never forget I gave that. And then um, that summer, um, there was this paper route. It's basically kind of like in a high-rise apartment, but it was for older people. Mm-hmm. Those six floors, 50 papers. I think you made like... I don't know, like 50 bucks a week. And everybody wanted that route. And I'll never forget, I sowed that seed and I ended up getting that paper route. Wow. And I remember that God spoke that to me. And my, my dad was so jealous of that paper route that he said, if you give it up, I'm taking it because it was so easy. <laughs> everybody else had to go door to door out yeah. in the weather. All my papers were right there. I just went through, it took me about 10 minutes. and I made 50 bucks a week. And I remember giving that to God. And I think that's one of the first times that God ever spoke to me. That's, that's really cool. So how did, the, how did that change you? I'm still a giver today, uh, but my dad was a giver, John. Um, he, he gave cars. I gave cars. Um, uh, I remember there was this time that uh, um, there was a, a family that came by, and we were, my parents were really blessed, and they always blessed us with nice things. And I remember, I don't, do you remember those jackets, John, back in the day where they had the pullover, like the Raiders jackets with the hoodie, and they were the pullovers? The starters? Or, yeah. The starter yeah, yeah, jackets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The zipper yep, only yep, goes about halfway. Yep. Yeah. I had, I wanted a Michigan Wolverines one. And I got this beautiful blue one. And this family came by, and they didn't have a lot. And my dad said, I want you guys to go up and grab a jacket. You know, just get one that you don't want and whatever. And it, they were nice. He didn't give them junk, but give them that you don't want. I went up and got my Michigan one. And uh, I gave that uh, to this family. It was my favorite jacket. And I sewed that. And I tell you what, John, I don't think I've bought a jacket since then. Um, the jacket I'm wearing that you see me right now, my dad bought that for me. I have jackets hung up all around my house and everything, and none of them that I pay for. 
Um, and so it started me on a path of becoming a giver. And, uh, and my dad modeled that. I was in Bible college. And I remember uh, my second year, I had, had 39,000 miles. I was a 1989 Honda Accord LX. I mean, this thing was mint condition. I mean, beautiful. And God spoke to me, said, you walk and you go give it to a lady that was in your church. And so I gave my car away to a lady in church, but then I ended up getting a 1998 Toyota 4Runner, paid it off quicker. I didn't have to pay for anything really out of my own pocket. Uh, I had to pay it a little bit, but it sure. was all pretty much paid for uh, by other people uh, that blessed me. And um, all my life, John, I've always been a giver. So that set the tone for me that still to this day, I still believe in seed time and harvest. That's really cool. We talked about uh, some of your purpose already, your purpose in life and um, how kind of how you identified that. But I want to look at what's the first practical step that you took going from wanting to be a pastor to actually becoming a pastor? What are some of those steps that you took? I think going to college was a big thing. Um, I, I was like one of the first people in my family to ever go to college. And, uh, you know, a lot of times people think, oh, education isn't important, um, but it really is. And, and for me, it was practical. People say, well, what's so practical about that? Because nobody in my life was thinking about college. Um, not that we were against or anything, just wasn't on my radar. And, uh, and I think that was one of the first steps that I took is just go to school and get educated. Find out things you don't know. You know, a lot of times we want to just be spirit led and that's great. I'm all for that. But God draws from the knowledge that we gain and that we obtain through those type of things. And uh, so I think getting educated was the first thing that I did. What would you consider your most difficult step to your purpose? Difficult or the hardest time? <laughs> either one. Either one. I think the most, the most difficult part for me, one, was waiting, having to wait. Many times God's timetable is not ours. And I have I, one of my favorite lines to tell people all the time, but it was something I had to learn in my own life is you can't bypass process to get to progress. And I think the most difficult thing is you want progress. And many times you're trying to build the ministry and God's trying to build the minister. And when that's not in alignment, you're trying to build something when God's trying to build you. You're going to find yourself real frustrated because God isn't going to grace you to enhance your ministry because he's trying to build you so you can carry the ministry. So I think the waiting period was one of the most difficult times. It's just waiting for something to happen, being faithful in and out. It's kind of like David taking care of the sheep. Am I ever going to get out of the sheep pasture? You know, And just waiting on the Lord through the process is uh, probably one of the most difficult times. But then also, uh, I went through a period of time where I was a knucklehead. <laughs> I didn't listen to nobody. <laughs> And I lost half my church. Uh, I almost went bankrupt. I had to move back in with my parents after I had my own home. A lot of people don't know this about me. I had to check into a psych ward. Um, people thought I was crazy because of the way I was leading my church. I wasn't a bad leader in regards to how I treated people, but I started getting real goofy. We don't have time to go into all that, but man. That might be so a part many, two. We'll yeah. have to continue oh, that later. Man. I tell you what, there's a major story behind that. And uh, I was running through stores and preaching in the stores and the police were showing up at my house because I was getting down the middle of a bank and just worshiping God in front of everybody. And long story short, there was a lot of things that people may say, wow, that's real zealous, but zeal without knowledge is not a good thing. And that's what was lacking. So people warned me about some of the steps that I was taking. And eventually people started leaving my church and uh, it was just a real rough time for me. So I learned through that process how to have an ear to hear. 
part two. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have to explore that a little bit on a separate yeah. on a separate yeah. one. This is a kind of an introduction yeah. to Pastor Jay. Let's get to know you a little bit. Yeah, that's a lot to go into. We open up a big can right there. I've heard a lot of your stories. I haven't heard no, anything about most that. Most people haven't. No. Um, I'm glad that you can look back at it and smile and laugh sure. it now because. You, that's an along the way type moment where you had an encounter with God or God sent people to intervene in your life to say, Hey, that's not the right way you should mm-hmm. go. Let's, let's, let's correct this. And now you're seeing a lot of fruitful, uh, fruitfulness in your life. Without a doubt. I mean, there are so many things, John, um, now as a leader, um, one of the biggest things I think I learned through that process without going into the whole story was, uh, I remember when Moses heard from God that it was time to go into the promised land. So they sent 12 spies into the land to spot off for 40 days and 40 nights. When they came back, 10 of the 12 said they weren't going. Moses heard from God, but the leadership did not want to follow him. So none of them went in. So I've realized something, whether you're hearing from God or not is irrelevant in regards to leading people. Because if, if people aren't hearing you and willing to follow you, you can't go whether you're hearing from God or not. So I had to learn not only to hear the heart of the people, but how to gain the heart of the people so then they would want to follow me. And I lost that during that season. So now I have a more finely tuned mm-hmm. ear to the sheep that are following me in, this, in the pasture. Well, that kind of leads me to one of my next questions is those detours that you've had in your life. I'm going to call them a detour on, on mm-hmm. the path that God has for you. What is some advice that you would give me to avoid those same detours? Oh, well, in that one, have an ear to hear. Um, Always be just, and I'm sure you already know this, but um, everything that God speaks isn't always to you personally. Um, God uses your, your critics. God uses your enemies. God uses the people you like. He uses the people you don't like all to speak to you and learning how to hear his voice in every situation. A lot of times if we don't like somebody or we don't, well, we don't respect somebody the way that we'd like to, we're like, well, they can't, God can't use what they're saying or doing. And I had to learn to hear even my critics. I mean, another story with that, but I'm not going to go into it. But I mean, there's just so many different things that have happened along the way uh, that have taught me how to hear uh, the voice of God. So the biggest thing I would say in regards to what I've went through is hear the Lord. And then secondly, uh, don't despise small beginnings in the waiting. You know, um, what God does in those times prepares you for what's coming. And I've, I realized this many times people's gifting takes them someplace their character can't keep them. Mm-hmm. And so what, what I'm about, how come it hasn't opened? How come it hasn't opened? You don't know what's out there. God's already seen it. And if he hasn't let it come into your life yet, it's because he's still molding you or preparing them for you. And so the importance of really trusting God in the waiting seasons and uh, knowing that he's doing a great work in those times. And sooner or later, though, this is the scary part. If it comes to you and you despise the training, eventually the blessing will crush you because you did not allow, you despise the small beginnings that happened in your life. Wow. That's good. That's really good. I've got a couple more fun yes, questions. Um, if you could talk to yourself in the past, what version of yourself would you talk to? Like what age would you talk to? And uh, what would you tell yourself? That's a great question. Really what is. advice would you give yourself at a, younger, at a younger age? I was just talking to somebody, I think it was yesterday, and I said, man, if I could go back. Uh, I was in Phoenix, Arizona speaking over the weekend. And uh, when I was down there, um, his son, the pastor's son, he's 19. I said, boy, if I could go back to 19. Uh, there's so many things I would tell myself. One is listen, don't be a knucklehead. Listen. Number two, take risk. 
I mean, man, you got to be willing to launch out. Don't be afraid to fail. Just go. Leave the results up to God. Um, and if I, before then, though, before ministry, I would go back to when I was a boy. And um, I, was, I was bullied a lot as a, a child growing up. Hmm. I was made fun of. I grew up in a time where um, being black, there was still prejudice. But then black people was all about black power. You got to be black. The more black you are, the better. And I was mixed. So I didn't fit mm. in with the whites. I didn't fit in with the blacks. So your dad is black. My dad is black. My mother was white. white. Yeah. And so I'm, I'd go back to me and say, man, do you realize how beautiful you are? How fearfully and wonderfully made you are? Do you realize your talents, giftings, abilities? All the things I ran from, all the things that I didn't want. I was like, if I should have embraced who I was earlier. And my ability to play sports and all that. I mean, everything. I would have just told myself to have more confidence, believe greater, go for, go for the gusto, and just launch out and trust God in you and trust what God's put in you. And, um, and that's what I tell myself from a little boy. But then as, in ministry years, though, I'd say, man, listen. Listen, man, you'll save yourself a lot of problems. <laughs> Do you think that eight-year-old version of yourself would receive the advice? Yeah, because I choke him until he did. You know, <laughs> I know what's best for you. <laughs> um, you know what? That's a good. That's a great question too. I mean, you know, it kind of reminds me. I remember Back to the Future when his son comes back and he's trying to talk to his dad. Imagine being able to go and look mm -hmm. at some of those things like that. Um, you know, but once again, even if I didn't listen, you can't bypass the process. So true. Yeah. It, that's everything that God uses in order to, you know, some people, some, they'll come to me and say, man, you got such great wisdom. You know, you got this, that, and the other. And I'll be like, man, do you realize it's all about what you get along the way? And that's what, that's what builds your ministry is all those things, those stumbling blocks, those mistakes. And most of the time you're tripping over and stumbling over things that other people are going to need to hear about. So God allows you to walk through those things. So you have a message for those people. That's great. Um, so I'm going to skip over a couple of questions because okay. I feel like you've kind of answered a lot of this. Uh, what is a life verse that you have? Oh, there's a few of them. Uh, but one that really comes to mind is Matthew 6, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his way of doing things. That's what righteousness is. And all these things will be added unto you. Um, that's something that's, I'm, I've always been a kingdom guy. Um, can't water it down. Um, not one to live, you know, some people live one foot in the world, one foot in the church. It's not what God's called me to be. That's where my ministry called Another Level Ministries is all about. It's all about living the heavenly life in every area of life on earth. You know, and you can't live on another level. Uh, you know, you can't expect God to bless you on another level, but live on a lower level, you know. And, uh, and so for me, it's always been about kingdom, John. Uh, really running hard after God, not watering down my life, making sure I have an anointing that's pure. And you can't have an anointing that's pure and be tainted with the world. So one of my other statements, kind of a life statement, is for God I live and for God I die. Something that's what I put on Christian Mingle. Got my wife, you know, she <laughs> came after it. But that's really how I've chosen to live is for the kingdom of God. That's cool. What is a key motivation that you have to keep going when things are hard or discouraging? One, don't want to go to hell. Uh, that's, that's very practical. Very good. Very good. I want to go to hell, but no, on a serious note, um, you know, just. I, I don't even know sometimes, John. I, I don't think I have the, a word to like, there's nothing that keeps me going except him. It's just the presence of God in my life. Uh, it's just being surrounded by him, my prayer life. You know, even when I'm discouraged, I've learned to draw great strength with God through prayer. There's never been a time in ministry that I wanted to quit ever. 
Praise never been a time that I've been burnt out. Have I been tired? Yeah, but I mean like we're like, I need a sabbatical. I need to quit. I, I've never had that. I've never understood that. Have there been times when it's been rough? Yeah, have there been times I said, do I want to pay this price? Yeah, I've, I've thought that. But, but quitting, I mean, it's all I can say is it's because of him. He just keeps me. Uh, and when I, and if my heart starts getting cold, I got to come back to him because I can't survive without him. Mm. I've got to have him in my life. I got to have him when I get up in the morning. I want him when I go to bed at night. And if there's anything in my life that starts watering that down, I got to get it out. I don't want my life. I want the presence and the blessing of God on my family. I don't want it for ministry. I want it in my home. I want it in my car. I want it in my office when nobody's around, not just in the pulpit. Mm-hmm. And so when you have him constantly in you, if you have a merry spirit while you're living in a Martha world, you'll keep on serving. The problem was Martha was not spending time with God anymore. And so as a result, she's, why doesn't Mary get up here and help me? You know, because she needed to be sitting at the feet of Jesus where Mary was. So I think just constantly being with him is what keeps me going and just being in love with God. What advice do you have to um, really apply the revelation that God gives you to your daily life? How do you do it and how would you suggest that I do it? Oh, man. Well, you know, for me, that's one of the areas when I talked earlier about going into the psych ward and all stuff with ministry, um, I realized after I came through all that and I really had time to sit and to really listen and where I made mistakes, everything I was preaching, if I would have lived it, I wouldn't have fell into what I fell into. And so now I I always tell people this, that my messages are kind of like making coffee. You first have to pour it and run it through the laboratory of your own life, strain it through, and then... After it goes through your life, you can give people more than just some water that you got to drink. You got an actual beverage, you know, and I think a lot of times we get messages and we're like, oh, wow, we got this great revelation. And then we give it out to others. This would be a great message to preach or, you know, someone like yourself that has music. This is a great song for the people. If God gives you a song, it's going to be for you first <laughs> and then for the people. And I think we mistake, mistakenly believe that we only get messages for other people. So while I'm preaching. I'm always thinking, does this apply to me? Because I don't want to preach to others like Paul said, and then myself become a castaway. So it's important that I first run it through the laboratory of my own life. And even while I'm preaching it, does this apply to me? And that also makes you more humble. Mm. Because when you're walking through that and you're preaching to others, you're not pointing the finger at them saying, you guys better do right. You better do this. You're thinking, how am I living? Am I doing what I need to do? Am I operating how I need to operate? Am I living how I need to live? Is this operating in my life? And if it's not, well, then there's my opportunity to make that adjustment. And so everything you get, first ask yourself, does it apply to me? And if it does, work it. And if it doesn't, you've checked it and you've given God an opportunity to see if it fits you. Do you have any suggestions of books that would impact my life? Oh, man. Well, we're in my office right now, and you've got a whole laboratory full of different things that you could look at. Um, you know, there's, there's, a, there's so many. I like the old church fathers. And when I, when I say old church, they're church fathers to me. Charles Finney, Spurgeon. When I read those guys, my, heart's, my heart burns. I read a lot of contemporary people, and my heart doesn't burn like it does with them. I sense that that generation of people, the Spurgeons, the, the Finneys, the Wigglesworth, they had a relationship with God that I don't know if a lot of us possess. Mm. And when I read their writings, it doesn't matter which one. That's why I'm not giving you an exact book. It could be any of them. Uh, Watchman Nee is a phenomenal author. Um, Charles Finney, I mean, you, you read about these guys and they, they, they just talk about their prayer life and it brings me to tears. Any, any final thoughts as we sign off? 
this has been fun. Um, you know, I have to say this is probably one of the first times I've done something like this, and uh, it's caused my heart to burn a little bit. Just okay. uh, uh, going back and rehearsing some of those things, and I'm so glad that you're doing this. There's so many people that need to hear our versions of our world and uh, what we've walked through, and um, and uh, you know, I love what you're doing, and I think it's great. Very cool. Well, I'm glad that you you said that your heart was burning within you as you're doing yeah. this because this the whole point of this podcast or the story that this podcast is is based around is the road to Emmaus and the disciples finally get to their destination mm. and Jesus breaks the bread with them and he's been walking with them this entire time they just didn't realize it when he breaks the bread and he disappears in front of them they look at each other and they realize didn't our hearts burn within yeah. us the entire right. time that he was revealing the scripture to us? Mm-hmm. And I feel like as we rehearse some of those things in our past, as we look to the future, that that our hearts should burn and our words should really help other people uh, grow in that. And I know our conversation here, you have helped me. Um, I've learned a lot of things about you I didn't know already and uh, <laughs> a lot of things I want to ask more questions about another time. Stay tuned for another episode with Pastor sure. J. Anthony Gilbert later. But... I feel like I've grown as a person because of this conversation with you. Thank oh, you, Pastor Jay. It's a pleasure, and uh, thank you for having me. You could have chose anybody, and you chose me. It's so honor to be here. That conversation with Pastor Jay caused my heart to burn within me, especially talking about the process. God really is in the process. I've heard people joke, don't pray for patience because God will give you opportunities to be patient. And who wants that? We live in a world of fast food and microwaves, instant messaging, and Amazon Prime. We want to skip the waiting. But Pastor Jay talked about God's timetable and that we can't bypass process to get to progress. There are many promises in my life that I believe that God has for me, and I'm still waiting for them. Unfortunately, I'm not as patient as I would like to think that I am. I know I'm still in the process, and I'm trying to not despise those small beginnings. I was very convicted when he said, If we despise the training, the blessings will crush us. Lord, help me. I know that God isn't done with me yet, and he cares more about the growth happening in me than what is happening to me. It's all about trusting God in the process. If you want to know more about Pastor J. Anthony Gilbert, you can go to his church's website at anotherlevel.church. You can also watch him on episodes of Real Life on Cornerstone Network and online at reallife.ctvn.org. I will be providing links in the show notes as well. And as I mentioned in the interview, I have to do a follow-up episode with Pastor Jay to find out more about the detours that he mentioned. Thank you for joining me along the way. If you've enjoyed this program, please rate and subscribe to the podcast and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at alongtheway.media. I hope you've enjoyed this part of the journey, and may you realize when Jesus is walking with you along your way. Mm